Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Thanks for tuning in to a brand new, new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am both one of the co-hosts of this usually weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by sound engineer extraordinaire, Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. And we are also joined in studio this morning by Dr. Alan Kohlberg, chair of the Pittsfield Board of Health and medical advisor to the city's COVID task force. Um, So, Lieutenant, it's been a couple weeks. I think this is the first time since we started the program that both back-to-back holidays fell on Fridays. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to have to come up with a plan for that. We'll have to pre-identify previous episodes that we're going to play in a situation like that when it comes forward. But I wasn't coming into the studio on Christmas or New Year's, so. Yeah, we could record our holiday shows in July, kind of like the Hallmark Channel. We could pre-record them, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. All right. So I don't want to we're going to talk about some topics when we get into the operation stuff and the police stuff. But I did want to point out a couple newsworthy items. I want to start with something that's pretty upbeat. Uh, and this is from this morning's Berkshire Eagle. Um, you know, the the St. Mary's Morning Star redevelopment project is is finalized. Uh, I haven't had a chance to go in and tour it yet, but I was in a, a meeting during the holidays with um with the team from Milltown uh, on, a sup- on a completely separate topic, and they're so proud of the work that they've done there. Uh, and like I said, I haven't seen it since the renovation, but when I was in bike patrol and community policing, that was my micro beat. And so uh, my partner, who now Captain Trepani, and I spent a lot of time on that campus and in those buildings, and it's amazing to see what they've done since they were empty and vacant. So that's positive for the city and positive in particular for the Morningside, and I'm pretty excited about that. The second item kind of on a positive note i wanted to point i'm not normally one to talk about sports but i thought this was fascinating so uh holy cross is playing army in women's basketball this weekend and the holy cross coach is the army coach's daughter (laughs) (laughs) that is cool it's pretty amazing right so i'm not i'm not a huge sports fan not necessarily a basketball fan but that's that's one for the record books i'm not sure that that's probably something that has occurred um Many times in the history of sport, so yeah. good luck to both of them. And uh, you know, as a service academy sort of alum, go Army. Sorry, <laughs> it pains me to say that, but I have to. Um, and then the last news item I'm going to talk about, and I'm just going to talk about this by way of introduction to one of our topics for later in the show, is it we learned overnight that um, one of the I don't even insurrectionists, one of one of the mob that broke into the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday is a Pittsfield resident. So more to come on that as we uh, start an intelligence workup, and we'll see what comes of that. But we'll get into (laughs) national news later in the show. Uh, We wanted to start, as we have been many times during the course of the past year in this pandemic, with a public health, health update from Dr. Kohlberg. So, Doctor, Happy New Year. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year to you and Lieutenant Traversa. So, 
health update. We are seeing a pretty significant rise in cases in Pittsfield. Today we had 42 new cases, including 10 in one of our nursing homes. Uh, the Over the past, at least uh, past couple of weeks, we have seen somewhere between 20 and 40 plus cases, new cases per day, and that's an enormous number of cases. Compared to what we were seeing in March and April, that is at least double what we saw back then. So it's uh, things are pretty active around town as far as the virus is concerned. Um, you might have seen also in the Eagles uh, uh, the results of the wastewater analysis that our uh, public utilities uh, engineer Ricardo Morales has been managing. And what we have found is what happens with wastewater analysis is that they take a sample of wastewater and send it off to a company out in Cambridge where they analyze the wastewater for RNA, which is the genetic material that is found in the, um, in the uh, virus, in the coronavirus. And, they can, and the presence of the wastewater, of virus in the wastewater uh, seems to predict a rise in cases by about a week. And we did see a, an enormous bump in the amount of RNA, uh, virus RNA in wastewater about a week ago, and now we're seeing the clinical consequences of that with such a large rise in cases. We are uh, accordingly doing a lot of contact tracing out at the health department. We have um, a couple of our nurses have um, left our group and we are uh, but we are also getting a, a bunch of new nurses in there to do contact tracing. Uh, the, the, there's more virus out, than, out there than there is uh, contact tracing nurses. And uh, we could use more, but we are uh, sort of holding our own and we're, we're working as fast as we can to investigate new cases. Uh, because of the such enormous rise in, in cases, we have had to offload some of our cases to the Community Tracing Collaborative, which is a large group of contact tracers organized through Partners in Health out in Boston, and they have taken some of our cases. Uh, and that between our nurses and the Community Tracing Collaborative, we seem to be uh, keeping up with the uh, demand. Our nursing homes, some of our nursing homes have been uh, affected by the coronavirus, and we have been uh, maintaining a regular and uh, intensive communication with the Mass DPH regarding uh, the nursing homes, and they have been providing very essential support when it comes to providing uh, advice on infection control and cohorting of patients and general safety and health uh, mitigation measures. Uh, the nursing homes in Pittsfield that are currently most involved are Springside Rehab and Nursing Home and um, uh, Melbourne Place, Wingate, uh, as well as Mount Greylock. But uh, at this point, the, the ones that are most um, intensely affected are, are Melbourne Place and Springside. And we have been working uh, pretty steadily, pretty feverishly with, with those nursing homes to make sure that things are 
done properly to try to reduce the spread of virus within those nursing homes and also to make available to the residents of those nursing homes monoclonal antibody which is a laboratory synthesized preparation of antibody which can which can reduce which can neutralize the virus and by being given as an intravenous infusion to patients when they're in the early stages of disease and that does seem to be uh, improving patient outcome reducing the need for hospitalization and we have made that available to them and uh, quite a few of their residents in these nursing homes have been given the opportunity to get the monoclonal antibody and that has um, uh, I believe has helped to reduce the ultimate mortality that might otherwise have occurred. As far as advice to the public, I'd say that people have to be very, have to have a low threshold for mild symptoms. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with over the past weeks and months who have said, you know, I thought it was just allergy symptoms or I have chronic sinus problems and and then lo and behold, it turns out to be coronavirus. So any new symptoms, or certainly if you think that you might have been exposed to the coronavirus, then uh, respect those symptoms, get yourself tested. Right now at the uh, BMC site at, on East Street by, in St. Luke's Square, we are in, uh, they're, they're conducting a stop the spread effort, which is a uh, cost-free to the public uh, testing effort. So anybody, you don't need a reason uh, to get tested, uh, but certainly if you think that you might have been exposed or you are newly ill with practically any symptom, whether it's stuffy, runny nose, headaches, sore throat, <coughs> fatigue, muscle aches, uh, and certainly fever, um, or even gastrointestinal symptoms, uh, upset stomach, diarrhea, nausea, etc., get yourself tested because the more people who get tested and the more people therefore who are found to be positive and are appropriately isolated and their contacts quarantined the more success we will have in controlling the pandemic here in Pittsfield. There has been a lot of discussion around town. Um, I've had discussion with people who have been calling into the health department who uh, find out that they have been contacted. They have been in contact with somebody who has the virus and they want to get tested immediately. There is an appropriate time to get tested after contact, and that appropriate time is at least five days after you have been in contact with that person who has the virus. If you get tested any sooner, you just have not had enough time for the virus that is in you to become abundant enough for the test to pick it up. So one has to wait a, at least five days to get tested after contact, and in those five days, we would advise people to quarantine because you have to assume that you might have gotten infected. Uh, not every close contact does become infected, but on the chance that you have been infected, we would recommend quarantine from the time that you know that you're a close contact and then get tested no sooner than five days after contact. And you can call the BMC link line at 855-BMC-LINK which translates numerically to 855, <clears throat> excuse me, 262-5465, and make an appointment any number of days in advance to get tested. So you don't have to call the day that you want to get tested. You can call four or five days in advance, and they'll give you an appointment to come in and get tested. 
Doctor, can I ask you a question sure. related to that last point and then bring it back to one of your earlier points? Is that five days the reason that we get the five or six day window from the wastewater testing? So you've been exposed potentially, it's in your body. The test, it may, it's not, it may not be in there at a high enough threshold to be detected in the test, but your body's processing it. Uh, that's a good question, and it, there's, it, sounds, it sounds like that could be a, a plausible explanation. Sure. Uh, we excrete the, the RNA, the genetic material of the virus, um, in, in our waste, and that's what could be responsible for that antecedent lag time before we start seeing clinical effects. That's a good question. <clears throat> restaurants, um, restaurants. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, Governor Baker issued some uh, increased restriction on restaurants. He, we are not uh, closing restaurants to indoor service, but two weeks ago, Governor Baker lowered the maximum capacity of restaurants from 40% to 25%, and he also required that uh, individual parties spend no more than 90 minutes inside restaurants. That order was supposed to have uh, expired this Sunday, but as of yesterday, that order was extended by two more weeks up to January 24th. And we don't know if it's if that's going to be it at that at that time. It depends upon what's going on in the general communities. Uh, so it could go even beyond that. But at this point, those restaurant restrictions are extended to January 24th. As far as schools are concerned, as everybody knows, uh, schools are still currently uh, fully remote in Pittsfield. And in our discussion with interim superintendent. Joseph Curtis today, later today, we'll find out what his thinking is as far as what schools are going, going to do go, uh, going forward. So I don't have any additional information about that. But currently in Pittsfield, as of a couple of days ago, we had almost 500 houses under quarantine. And when you have that number of houses under quarantine in a community like ours, that, of course, affects many school-aged kids. And that may be one of the factors in addition to the positivity rate, which, is, which has been rising, which might affect the, the decision whether we're going to uh, go to hybrid education or remain fully remote. So more to come on that. Vax the vaccine effort is going to be starting to be rolled out next week for first responders starting on Monday and going through the entire week. Um, on at three sites in North County, Central County, and South County. Uh, EMS providers are going to be first in line, uh, uh, followed by police and fire, and uh, as well as the vaccinators. And uh, talking with um, Chief Wynn before the program, uh, he's going to be getting the vaccine this week, uh, next week, as well as I will, because I'll be getting the vaccine. So uh, we've had a, a pretty robust response to people signing up uh, for the vaccine, and we're, that's very encouraging. Uh, and um, we hope to get all of our first responders, the vast majority of our first responders, immunized uh, as part of that effort. Can I interrupt for a second, doctor? Sure. So I was, I was at training last night, and I shared with my training partners that I had registered. 
And I just, it occurred to me as I was telling them that we need to give credit because um, they, they don't necessarily get enough credit. I did not have high expectations when I logged into that new module. That's prep mod. Prep mod, uh, yeah. Which the Commonwealth has been promising since August. Yeah, yeah. And in their infinite wisdom, they actually rolled out to the public health people on Tuesday or Monday for them to figure out how they were going to instruct us. But credit to the Commonwealth, it worked. It worked, um, yeah. the, the most complicated part of registering for that thing was scanning my insurance card to upload it. It's a couple pages, save this, Click the appointment, boom. Um, assume and, and it reports the it reports it to the state, so the state knows how much vaccine we've used. It yeah. does everything except wash your windows. Yeah. So right. ass assuming the volume doesn't crash it, and I'm you know knocking on wood yeah. here, I, I have high hopes for when we roll this out to the general public that that's going to take care of a lot of administrative and logistics yeah. headaches. So, shout out to the Commonwealth. Absolutely, absolutely, and a shout out to Laura Kitross of. Berkshire Regional Planning and Indeed. the Berkshire Public Health Alliance, who has been working tirelessly to get this vaccine effort realized. So, um, there you go with vaccines. Um, uh, for, but I will, I will mention one other thing as far as vaccines. We've gotten numerous calls from the public. When am I going to get my vaccine? Elderly people, non-elderly non people. And there is a good website uh, on the Mass DPH uh, site, which is updated twice a week, and I will uh, give you the the uh, with the website um, how, how you can access that website, which will tell you where uh, you fall in the prioritization uh, order of things as to when you will be getting the vaccine. I will say that one important thing that was changed this week is that. People um, 75 years of age and older are, have been up-prioritized to the first tier of phase two, which will probably uh, begin sometime in February, uh, once we have gotten all of our healthcare providers immunized. And the website, you can, you can Google it by going to mass.gov. When can I get the COVID-19 vaccine? And just type all that in the search line, mass.gov. When can I get the COVID-19 vaccine? And you will get that same information that we utilize at the health department to advise the public. Again, mass.gov, when can I get the COVID-19 vaccine is the way you can get the latest information on vaccine uh, rollout. Our homeless shelter um, is gonna be a, uh, a uh, has applied for and will be receiving the Binax now antigen test so they will be able to screen people who arrive at the shelter who are symptomatic uh, to make it safe there and people who do test positive. Um, I'm, I'm not aware that they currently have the Binax, the Abbott Binax now at this moment, but they will be getting it. They have applied for it. Um, and uh, w once they do identify somebody who is COVID positive, they can have them, uh, they, they can transfer them to the Hilton Garden Inn, which is once again serving as our local isolation and quarantine site. And um, lastly, uh, we have been responding to a lot of concerns that have been uh, appeared on social media and other complaints coming into the um, health department regarding uh, what people think are outbreaks in various businesses. We're responding to each and every one of those. And in some cases, 
uh, refuting some of the claims that have been made on social media. Uh, we advise you to not see the various social media sites as the definitive source of accurate medical information. If you have or if you have information or uh, think you have information which is of concern regarding um, coronavirus spread out in the community, you're welcome to call the health department and we will look into it with our contact tracing nurses. So, um, and I, well, I just want to mention one other thing, uh, just going back for a second regarding the vaccine effort. Uh, we've had a, a very good response from nurses in the community who are willing who are willing and able to uh, administer the vaccine, including some of my uh, former buddies at Berkshire Pediatrics. So we, that's been very gratifying to see that kind of outpouring of, uh, of uh, support from the, our community uh, in getting the vaccination program rolling. So that is, oh, did you want me to mention, make some comment about the variant virus? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. <clears throat> Before we went on the air, uh, Lieutenant Traversa asked me about this variant virus or the mutant virus. <clears throat> what we know at this point is that it is gradually gaining traction in the United States. Uh, there was a variant that was isolated in the UK, in England, and then another one in South Africa. What we know at this point about the variant virus is that it seems to increase the ability of the virus to be transmitted from one person to another. We do not, at, we do, at, fortunately at this point, the variant virus still seems to be, um, uh, still, is, is still, <clears throat> pardon me, is still, does not seem to be affecting, uh, affecting the functional capability of the vaccine to neutralize it. So in other words, there is a mutation in the genetic material of the virus, but not so much so that it, that it renders the vaccine ineffective. In other words, the vaccine is still effective. Uh, we hope that it doesn't mutate to such an extent that the vaccine becomes ineffective. That would be a game changer. But at this point, the vaccine still seems to be effective. And by all means, I, I recommend that when people are eligible to get the vaccine, they do, that they do get the vaccine. It also does not seem to be increasing the mortality rate when people get infected, another fortunate thing. But if it's more transmissible, that means more people are at risk of getting the virus, at getting sick. And the more people who get sick, of course, the more people who can become very ill and uh, and and, the, and thereafter. So um, that's the story with the with the variant virus. Mute, viruses always have 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 always and always will mutate. They change little pieces of their genetic material spontaneously. But um, at this point, the the uh, amount of mutation, the amount of change in the virus, is not so much that it is making it deadlier or um, unresponsive to uh, vaccine prevention. So. So kind of a, a mixed bag of news. I mean, a little bit of concerning with the uptick, but with the, you know, rollout beyond medical facilities of the vaccine, some hope on the horizon. Uh, even with the variant, the vaccine still appears to be effective. Um, so just to wrap up, doctor, and you, you normally say it all the time, and you didn't do it this time. Now, 
just because we've got some good news, now is not the time to let our guard down. Oh, no, right? absolutely. All, all of those regular precautions. <clears throat> and I don't want to, um, I, uh, I won't identify any locations. You know, it's not the time to let your guard down. I have close friends who are young, healthy, fit, exercise. And uh, over the holidays, they decided to travel to visit family. And they came home, and they both tested positive. Yep. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Is that even if you've gotten the vaccine, you still have to maintain masking and social distancing, because we do not know at this point whether the vaccine is going to reduce the amount of virus that one may carry in their nasal passages, which can still be transmitted to somebody else. We know that it protects people from becoming ill and becoming uh, and becoming very ill but we do know we do not know yet its effect on transmissibility so people still have to uh wear their masks and even if they've gotten the vaccine they have to continue wearing the masks and that has not changed one bit masks social distancing wash your hands stay at home when you can correct be safe and healthy stay home when you're ill and if you're ill get tested awesome Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. Thank Uh, you again for having me here. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Doc. Welcome. Lieutenant, I think maybe we do an early station break, get another check of the weather in our PSAs, and then we'll roll into the rest of the program. Sounds good. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, mostly sunny. Cold with highs in the lower 30s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour, tonight, mostly clear. Cold with lows around 15. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour, Saturday, mostly sunny. Highs in the lower 30s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBR-FM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Welcome back. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. If you're just joining us, this is Friday, January 8th, 2021. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the Chief of Police here in the City of Pittsfield. I'm in studio this morning with Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Commander of the Communications Outreach and Professional Standards Bureau. Uh, Dr. Kohlberg has left the building. He just spent the first half of the show giving us our uh, public health update. This is our first program uh, of 2021 and our our first new program in a couple of weeks. We were talking about it at the top of the hour. Uh, in the year and a half that we've been doing this show, this is the first time that two, hol- two back-to-back holidays both fell on Fridays. And so uh, we weren't coming into the studio on Christmas or New Year's. Um, so we're going to have to figure out a plan going forward for the eventuality that that happens again, how we're going to pre-record some content so we can do that. Um, before we get into kind of police-related topics, Lieutenant, how were your holidays? Different. Different. <laughs> Very different. And, uh, you know, that's some challenging stuff going on. And uh, it. Uh, Hey, it's just a sign of the times. Um, I uh, I worked every day, which was not in ideal. some capacity. And yeah, you know, not not a full day, obviously, but um, you know, I had uh, had my daily task. Um, so that was uh, different than past you know vacation blocks that I've taken. But it is what it is. I I attended a lot more Zoom meetings than I intended to attend during the two weeks that I technically was off. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, like you said, it is what it is. You you invest the 40 minutes to an hour on the day so you can get away from the computer and the phone for the rest of the day and avoid the call-ins. Yeah, so. yeah. How about you? Different. Um, I was talking to some of the people, our people in the station when I came back to work this week. You know, it was different, but in in some ways it was nice. Like, so I think I was telling um, the guys up in the drug unit. Yeah, we, I have a uh, we have a colleague staff member who who is married to a relative of mine, and for the last several years, Christmas Eve has been at their home, and it's become a, a wonderful tradition. And obviously, this year we couldn't do it, uh, and so on Christmas Eve, I'm sitting at home, and you know, I don't normally text back and forth with the two of them and all of a sudden I felt compelled to send them each a text and miss you guys wish I was there on the same token um, my bride has cousins who we do not normally see during that block of time because they're in the branch of her family that is off doing their own thing and we got the opportunity to zoom with them and spend more time than we would normally spend albeit virtually so new traditions so you know things that we may continue going forward even when we get back to the new abnormal it's, it's funny you mentioned that we had a uh, a zoom call as well i i, I wasn't really on it because it was scheduled for four o'clock christmas day christmas day and that, that was that happened to be our dinner time um so we were scurrying around trying to get dinner wrapped up and or, or on the table and in the uh the uh, the Zoom started, and this side of the family is typical for everybody talking at once. So it, that's <laughs> difficult in a Zoom. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know if I talked about it before. We went on the holiday hiatus. 
something else that Christina and I did that I, I had never imagined in a, uh, I can't even say a million years. It had never occurred to me. It wouldn't have even been like a, a possible thought. So before the holiday break, we had a, um, a Sunday evening game night with her cousin and his wife. And so basically what we did is we set up a Zoom and they had discovered this, um, it's not even an app. It's, it's a you know, smart device. You access it through your browser. It's a website. And essentially it's a word game that all the players in the game are playing on their own phone or smart device, but you're all connected to one another. And so, you know, we're sitting at home in the evening, having a glass of wine, playing a game with two people who are 300 miles, 200 miles away. Right? It was weird. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, maybe something that we should hold on to going forward, an opportunity to socialize in a different way with people that you wouldn't normally get. You know, we're not going to drive to their house in Connecticut for game night. Right. So. Pivot and shift. Yeah, pivot and shift. We improvise, we adapt, we overcome. All right. Um, there was three things that we identified that we said we were going to talk about uh, in the second half of the program today. And I don't know... Um, I don't know that we need to tackle them in any particular order, but I feel particularly based on the news article I referenced at the top of the show uh, that we can't really we can't really put it off any longer. Um, you know what we what what we what the world observed in our nation's capital on on Wednesday was horrific. It it was horrifying. Um, you know I my person I'm I'm personally embarrassed uh, as an American for, for what was what occurred, what was allowed to occur, what the world saw of us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I hope that it serves as a turning point, um, you know, and, and we can take that as a, as a beginning and, and move from it. And I don't really want to talk about what led up to it. I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about from a, from a, law enforcement point of view from a emergency management point of view from a public safety point of view oh my god the this this is going to be one of the most highly dissected and analyzed law enforcement operations of our lifetime of our career i think it probably is going to come second only to 9-11 in my career um the the studies and the reports and the analysis that are going to come out of this are going to, they're going to go on for volumes. Um, the, the analysis, you know, there's already been some quick analysis and that happens all the time, but to actually root out some of the stuff, it, it may actually take years. There may be commissions. Um, and I, I, for one, am looking at the, the lessons learned. What, what are we going to take away from this? It hasn't come out yet. And somebody asked me last night when I was training, and uh, I have a hundred percent certainty, just because of the way we've seen this in the past, with you know nine eleven, um, some of the stuff related to to like Katrina and flooding and and the officer shootings in Dallas. I guarantee, somewhere within the Capitol campus on Wednesday, there was a there was a commu- a radio communications failure. Somewhere in in this thing, somebody's radio was on the wrong frequency. It's always the first thing to go. Communication is always the first thing to go. Whether it was a technological failure or operator error, something wasn't communicated somewhere. Yep. Um, 
and then, you know, again, it's too early. I, I know people are like, you know, this guy's got to go and this person has to go and, and resignations are flying fast and furious already. Um, but in the in the brief preliminary analysis that's gone on and, and the Capitol chief came right out and said this, their operations plan called for a First Amendment protected protest. It, and, and I commend them for that. That that's what they should have been planning for with their preliminary plan. That should always be the preliminary plan. But we're not part of the Capitol District. You know, it's capital, it's a military district, actually, the, the whole like Washington, D.C., greater military district and their interoperations stuff. We're not part of that. And even we had intelligence that that wasn't going to be the end of it. There was widespread open source intelligence that something beyond that was going to happen. I, I, I don't know how you cannot have a plan for that. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. Exactly. Right. And so Christina was asking me about it this morning. And, and I, it, again, this isn't to bash anybody. I'm not, you know, what was me. But in the spring and early summer, when we got intelligence coming out of the eastern part of the state, that there was a potential that something might happen here. And I took the opportunity to take advantage of the assets and resources that were being offered by our counterparts, and we put a contingency plan in place. I got beat up for putting the contingency plan in place. And now we're seeing the results of what happens when you don't put a contingency plan in place. I would much rather have access to the resources and assets and never need them than find yourself staring down the face of a mob unable to get them because they're not on standby or staged right you you can't you can't overestimate or over anticipate what's what could go wrong right so i get that i get that people were very sensitive you know in law enforcement and outside of law enforcement based on what happened last year that they did not want to be seen as militarized, as over-aggressive, as um, escalating force. They didn't want to lock down the city. Commendable. But you can't ignore the possibility that something's going to go wrong. Right. right? I, I think I might have mentioned it. I might have mentioned it on the show once before. I, I think it came up in the aftermath of some of the stuff that happened um, after Mr. Powell's remarks in Great Barrington were kind of taken um, the wrong way, and I was asked about my trip to Israel. And so I had the opportunity to travel to Israel uh, as a guest of the Anti-Defamation League, and the, the reason for the trip was to go and exchange information with Israeli Defense Forces and Israeli National Police counterparts and to examine some of what they do in particular security situations. And what I said at the time is most of what we saw wouldn't translate. It's not something I could just pick up and, and pluck and bring back here because they're a nationalized police force and we don't have that. Um, they have a very different uh, security posture than we're allowed to have. They have a completely different constitution than we do. So it wasn't that we were learning their techniques we were observing their techniques and seeing things where there's intersections and possible takeaways. And the reason I bring this up is we were at, um, we were in the old city of Jerusalem and we were at the Western Wall and we were in the operations center for the surveillance operation that keeps that part of Jerusalem under observation. And it was impressive. It looked like something out of, a, out of Star Trek, right? I mean, there, there's not an area of that place that they can't see 
at, from time to time when they want to. And so they were showing us some video, archive video. We're, we're watching the, in real time, and it, it's calm. It's peaceful. There's people at the Western Wall, and there's military, and there's police officers walking around, just like you would see in any large city. Um, but then they're showing us video of when it wasn't so peaceful. And so a rock-throwing incident started. So the, um, some, of the, some people, some Palestinians were on top of the wall, and they started throwing rocks down into the crowd. And then there was some suspicious activity in the vicinity of some parked buses, and they thought it might be a suspicious device thing. And so the police response started to amp up. And the officers that were visible, they went into a, a pre-planned um, response. And so they evacuate the buses, they surround, you know, isolate the area around the devices, they start to send a unit to where the, to evacuate the people who are being peppered with the rocks. And then all of a sudden, with no notice and no warning, a company-sized unit of police officers showed up, like 30 or 40 police officers, and they swept through the top of the area where the rocks were being thrown from. And I made some comment, like, wow, you know, you guys are fortunate that, you know, that unit happened to be nearby. And they're like, oh, no, that unit is here all the time. That is an on-call, standby unit. I was like, where are they located? And they're like, well, we can't really discuss it, but it's, it's on the campus here. And I was like, wait a minute. You have a room full of 40 cops, fully dressed, kitted, and ready to go? All the time, and they're like, yeah, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that unit is here in case something pops off. And don't, I'm not suggesting that that's something that any American city should do. But if you know you have an event coming up, you have to have a force in readiness similar like to that available somewhere, right? Um, and so those are the types of things. If you've, if you know. Because it's been announced, it's, you know, the invitation was put out there, come to D.C. on the day of the certification. There's already a rally planned, and you know that they're going to move through the city to a location that you didn't have a plan for. You better plan for that. Right. I, I get the, uh, you know, the direction that... that, that you know, or transition in policing and how we are, we're going to be, have to be open to certain change and, and adjustment. Um, but, you know, I, what was it? Roosevelt that said it? One of the Roosevelt's? Speak softly, carry a big stick? <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of the tacits of diplomacy. Right? Yeah, you know, it, it, you have to be prepared for the worst, you know, and, and, and just hope that, like I said, hope for the best. It's just and if you don't have to deploy them, you don't have to deploy them. Right. We, yeah. we, we've done this for years when we, um, when we worked together, ran together with the special response team, right? I never, I never get upset about doing a team activation that doesn't go because it's training, Yeah. right? An activation that doesn't jump off is simply training in the activation process. And every one of those we learn something from and we improve on. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, we, you and I haven't talked about it. Well, you're not on the team anymore, so we don't have to talk about it. I, um, like I said, when we started the second half of the show, I was doing you know, a, a meeting a day, sometimes two meetings a day. And while I was in the meetings, I would keep my government phone with me and, you know, I'm, I'm on, on work time anyway. And, uh, but when I got out of the meetings, I was taking my work phone and I was putting it back on its charger. And it, oh, I might check it 
every couple of hours or, you know, at dinner time, go down the hall and check it. But I wasn't carrying it with me if I went out for a rock or I went to get some exercise. Uh, and one day last week, I went down to my office, to my home gym to, to get some mobility and flexibility work in. And I, was pro- I wasn't down there for, you know, maybe a little bit more than an hour. And I came upstairs and I went down to change and my phone's vibrating on the table. Like, Uh-oh. And I, there was 48 secure comms. I missed an entire team activation and cancellation. The, the whole thing occurred in the time that I was out of pocket. It was up and down before I ever saw it. Like, okay. Yeah, it happens so, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> or no. <laughs> so, but again, those, those, the, you know, those are just good practice for the day that it doesn't get canceled. And, um, and actually, um, thinking back to, to that, to that quick activation and then deactivation, that is an example of a call that patrol may have in the past gotten deeper into right. and try to resolve, but we've gotten a little bit more quicker to to activate just for that reason. Well, and, it uh, goes back to our principles of integrating communications assessment and tactics, right? We teach the patrol officers, don't have a plan. Have a plan, have a backup plan, have a contingency plan, leave yourself room to develop another plan. And the contingency plan may be, if I can't resolve this with the equipment on my belt or in my car, I'm going to hold my position and call for more resources. And the resources may be a partial team activation. It may be a tactical assessment by um, Sergeant Murphy. You know, it, it could be any one of a variety of things. But you don't push a bad position. Because historically we've seen when a patrol officer pushes a bad position, that's when a situation that in the moment can be de-escalated no longer can be. And that's when you get questionable uses of force. So we don't want that to happen, right? We've been, this isn't new. This isn't in response to last year. This is stuff that we've been doing for years. Um, it's, it's been one of my rallying cries since I joined the team in 1997. This is a resource we own. Why wouldn't we use it, right? Um, you know, you know when we were on the team, um, you know, this, so Wednesday, uh, the captain went down to um, went down to Guardian to get out of the office. He was having an emotional day because it was three years since we lost Mike, which uh, the lieutenant had to remind me of, or the captain had to remind me of. It didn't even occur to me that day. Um, but, you know, Mike and I were, were operators on the team running together for years. And we used to debate all the time whether an activation was a full unit activation or a partial unit activation. And I would always say, it doesn't cost us anything except a call in to do a partial unit activation. Most of the time, it doesn't cost us anything at all because there's, chances are there's a, a team leader or a supervisor on duty and we can go get eyes on and decide if we need this, right? Um, but to not use it, not call for it, just puts you in a higher likelihood of a bad outcome. Right. Um, and on this topic and then we can move on to our last couple of things i'm i'm gonna embarrass him um but i'm only gonna embarrass him because i was i was personally very grateful for the email that i received from him yesterday so um the department implemented a program we talked about it a couple times and then our our shows fell off of of the right rotation our department implemented a program last year we recognize an officer or member of the month 
and it has nothing to do with the command. The program is entirely managed by the association. The nominations come from members of the association, from their peers. They can put any member in for uh, exceptional duty. It's it's something, you know, holistic, not separate from our merit our merit program and our awards program. And so, um, last month's officer of the month was Officer Randley Wenling. Officer Wenling was multiply nominated by several of his uh, his squad mates for a, a, an incident that he successfully resolved. Um, it was it wasn't resolved without incident. It did result as a as a result of a taser deployment, but it was a you know person in crisis, potentially armed, uh, barricade, refusing to come out. And when I heard that it had been resolved. Um, there's a lot of communication among the supervisors and commanders, you know, recognizing him for his good work, taking charge, slowing the pace of the operation down. Um, but one of the things that came out was the description of how he managed to take advantage of position and barriers in order to delay the taser deployment to the last possible moment, but put themselves in a position where the taser deployment was preferable to firearms. Yeah. And it it wasn't natural, right? He he had to take steps to put himself in a position where he could safely deploy the taser and not put himself in in harm's way. And I emailed him when the um, when the officer of the month recognition came out, and I, I said, "No, Randy, I just want to let you know." Actually, I talked to him right after this, and then I emailed him, and I said, "Randy, I just want to let you know that when I see." these operations reports and I see the, the, the actual language and that this happened and that happened, it, it makes me feel good because it validates the hard work that the training unit has put in in the last several of ye- several years to try to change the way we handle these and get better results. And uh, he had been off for a couple of days and he emailed me yesterday. And it, basically what he said was, you know, thanks for that. Um, I feel comfortable and confident when I go on these calls and that is in large part due to the training that we've been provided with. And, you know, he, he thanked us. Um, and I just, I was like, that's it, right? This is, this is how we know it's working. Um, our investment in changing the way we deal with crisis calls has been over a decade, well over a decade, seriously in the last three years. Um, the integrate the, addition of the ICAT curriculum on top of what we were already doing has been a game changer for us. We're seeing outcomes that have much better resolution um, for everybody, you know, for officers, for the subjects, for families. Um, and we're just going to keep improving that, right? We've got some technological stuff on, on the way that is going to give us even more options. So I'm excited about that. Closely resembled some of the, um, the scenarios we set up for this past falls training. Yeah, and, uh, you know it's the, the, the you know I, I don't know if people realize the public realizes the um, the frequency with which we're going on these calls. I mean that that call was a couple of weeks ago, right. and then I mean earlier this week there were uh, you know I was working at, at my desk and, and listening to the radio. There were two you know despondent individual in crisis calls back to back, back to back. One of yeah. which was an adolescent. Yep. Um, and, and so we, we've been on this topic for long enough, but one of the things about those two calls, because the change in the mindset and the change in the paradigm 
and now it's it's crossed over into dispatch because one of the most gratifying things I heard that day was, do you still have that item of equipment? If so, proceed to this location. They're, they're changing the dispatch protocols based on the increased capabilities. Right. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's slow but continuous work. Yeah. All right, so we only have a few minutes left. Let's put that beside, be, be aside and, and move on. Because we've got another... Um, I won't say pandemic related per se, maybe pandemic induced change that is, it, well, we've got two actually, but one is pandemic induced. Um, so in service started this week, right? Our, our regular in service program, we talked about the Wednesday programs and you just mentioned the scenarios we did in the fall. And so we had to set the in service calendar as we were going into the holidays based on the new governor's restrictions and it it was pretty clear we weren't going to be able to do any in-person face-to-face training at least not during this first six-week rotation so we needed to explore our options and although we've used some version of online training in a variety of ways in the past we've never done it as part of the regular in-service rotation and so in consultation with officer gainer in the training unit uh, some of the supervising commanders captain grady Ultimately, what we decided to do was have everybody stick to their regular training rotation, but do their full block of online training during their training day. Uh, So instead of shifting from your regular assigned shift to day shift and going to another location, you would just come to work as you normally would, but that's your training day, and your whole day would be dedicated to getting your online training done. And so um, we, we... picked our vendor who we was our pandemic induced emergency vendor we we kept them for another year um training content with them is is a little better than our normal source of online training it's so far from a couple of reports i've gotten it's going well um and you know we'll see how that pans out i haven't logged in to do mine yet so um no i haven't either Lieutenant Bradford was 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 hammering through his, and I know Sergeant Gray finished his. He's always been an overachiever. <laughs> so, but he said it took him six solid hours. It yeah. took him six hours at the terminal to go get it done. So, yeah, yeah, more to come on that. Um, an interesting aside on that, uh, Officer Gaynor was telling me that she's had people. Actually, no, maybe it was Lieutenant Bradford. They've he's had people coming to him saying we just had this training or haven't we already had this training and we were chuckling because you know again you don't think you know our listeners and viewers know we take training very very seriously and we look at what the commonwealth is promulgating is going to be coming down the pike and we take steps to get ahead of that so i want to say three or four of the seven training blocks that are required for the rest of the commonwealth this year are reviews for us we had already covered them in depth in the last two years so and that's fine because you can't see some of this material often enough um i know one of the things that's in there is dealing with persons with alzheimer's which uh, you know we have the iacp protocols on that but we we incorporated that in in service three years ago yeah so yeah um but again we we can cover that a lot the other thing that shifted this week it was an accident i I got click happy, um, but you may have received an email from our new Lexipol. from our new policy vendor, 
Yeah. Uh, and so we, we've been in the process, the slow process of changing policy vendors for the last two years. For the last 18 months, we've been doing it in a way where we're using the new vendors' policies, but we've been disseminating them manually as as pdfs or as as um links and now we've got the online manual just about ready to go the um the last two policies that had to be prerequed before we could start turning them on were completed this week and so this weekend officer gainer will be some, spending some time visiting some of our personnel introducing them to the module and how they can get in there and starting next week we will start issuing policies through the lexapol kms i actually uh activated my kms on my government cell phone yesterday received my new policy acknowledged it electronically and now can read my policy manual on my cell phone in the field so hmm. nice yeah that's helpful very helpful because now I won't have to take those late night calls and say print three copies of that policy. Have somebody right. standing out in front of the station. I'll pick them up on my way by. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, three minutes left, Lieutenant. Went by quick. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to real quickly um, dial back. You mentioned Mike Winston. Um, it's been it was three years on Tuesday. Um, we had a number. We've had a number of. Um, you know, law enforcement officers, agents that have, uh, you know, that, that we, we go over uh, during police memorial week um, when we uh, are able to have a, a ceremony. Um, we've lost a couple in the city, some, you know, from Pittsfield, some from other agencies. Captain Leonard, Officer Sullivan, Officer Shepard. I can't remember the Secret, uh, uh, Secret Service agent Craig. Yep. Um, and, you know, obviously we, we remember and honor that, uh, you know, those and ja service. And Jailer Fuller. Yeah. But, um, you know, those are, you know, those weren't necessarily in our time. They're, They're not, history. It, yeah, it's, it's, you know, important history. Um, but I, I know, you know, when I came on, we had just lost uh, Sergeant Donnelly. Who was, you know, I still, there's still people in the department that worked with him, and, um, you know, he's, he, he's in fresh memory. Um, you know, we, we work with Kayla, and, but, uh, you know, Mike was three years ago, and we all worked with him to a certain degree, you know, some more than others, and, and it, it, we it, both worked with him a lot. Closely, right? Very closely. When, when I came on as a rookie, Mike was in the group ahead of mine. Uh, also with Mike Nikorchuk, Mike Madalena, and Mike Grady, and I was I was the rookie in the group with behind those two classes. And Kate O'Brien used to call it the Five Mike Night, <laughs> when when both of our groups or both of our lines worked together. Yeah. All right. So rest in peace, Mike. Yeah. Our thoughts and prayers are with Kate and the kids. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. Have a great week. We'll see you next week for another new episode. Out.